0: episode 77 sane crypto hey chainers welcome to another edition of chain of wealth i'm your host dennis o'brien
1: and i'm katie welsh
0: so katie i know crypto was absolutely massive come end of 2017 and it seems to have disappeared a little bit hasn't it
1: yeah it feels like for a long time like everybody was talking only about crypto and then all of a sudden like Done.
0: Like, it was it was almost like the bubble popped.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <It> <laughs> Literally. Like,
0: and people lost thousands of dollars in the process.
1: Yeah. And now we don't hear anybody really talk about anything, but it's not like it just died. It didn't no. go away. In,
0: in fact, a lot of people are getting really big into the space and a lot of companies are starting to adopt blockchain and really sort of try and experiment with the technology. Because let's be honest, the te- technology is basically the best thing since last bread. But I think it was a bit premature.
1: Yeah. Well, in this episode with Kim, she really explains everything about crypto. And I'll be quite frank. It has still been a little bit confusing for me. Um, But she really cleared up a lot of my questions that I had for it. And I think I've made a decision done.
0: Yeah. What's that?
1: I'm going to invest in crypto Ooh. but not like a ton of a ton of money <laughs> like what kim said i'm only going to invest a little bit more or less just to kind of get some like skin in the game and check it out yeah no, not definitely, for like for sure. a huge i'm not putting like my life savings in
0: right and i think that's one thing i really took away from kim and i really appreciate it like kim doesn't suggest you know just like investing in crypto and that's it you know her approach is more sort of This is an opportunity, but don't go crazy and put all your money into it, you know?
1: Right. Well, and if at the end of the episode, if you're still a little bit unsure, I did leave in a little bit of like a bonus feature where it's like completely, I guess, technically off the record. And she kind of cleared up some more of my questions. Definitely.
0: So So, yeah, definitely definitely check check it out
1: out if you are
0: unsure. All right. You ready to dive in? Yes. Awesome. Let's do
2: it. Welcome to Chain of Wealth. Here's your host, Dennis, inspiring you to begin your journey of financial freedom.
0: Hey, Chainers. Welcome to another edition of Chain of Wealth. Today, we have Kim Schneider-Hughes with us. Kim has spent the last 20 plus years as an entrepreneur, options trader, investment advisor, financial engineer, author, speaker, educator and financial radio talk show host. Kim retired at 47 and all was going according to plan until crypto came along. Most people think cryptocurrency is too risky for a run-of-the-mill portfolio. However, Kim believes that the risk is in not investing in crypto assets. Welcome Kim. Hey
2: Kim. Hey, y'all. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be on your show.
1: Yeah. Wow. You have really done a lot um, in your 20 years with your engineering and your author and speaking. And what has that been like?
2: <laughs> uh, you know, people say that to me a lot. And and it's funny because I don't really think of it that way. I just think of it as, you know, life. But... Uh, I, Yeah, it's definitely been a uh, broad range of experiences with lots of stories to tell.
1: Definitely, I could imagine. So you probably have a lot of your life like out, you know, on your podcasts and everything that we'll talk about in a little bit. But what is something that most people don't really know about you?
2: That I'm painfully shy. So when they hear all those things, they assume, you know, they see that I you know, speak in front of thousands of people and, uh, you know, do all these things. And they just assume that, you know, I must be an extrovert, but in the opposite is true. I am painfully, painfully shy. It's, it's funny because I feel perfectly comfortable in front of 10,000 people, but put me in a room of a few people, two or three people that I don't know, or, you know, have to make a, a cold call on the, phone oh my gosh i'd rather stick pins in my eyes
1: <laughs> really wow that is you don't hear that every day
0: <laughs> did I, you I, I think that's actually a lot more people than what you realize though you know like um especially when it comes to speaking and stuff like that it's a completely different sort of aspect when you're dealing with a smaller crowd I
2: think yeah i that. think that's right you know there's something this idea of like the extroverted introvert that's probably me <laughs> you know, and I'm sure you're right. I think probably a lot of people, you'd probably be surprised at how many people are out in the public and yet are probably introverts.
0: Yeah, definitely. So we did an episode on cryptocurrency quite a while ago, but for anyone that's still a bit unclear about crypto, could could you give a brief explanation as to what exactly it is?
2: Sure. So I think that the explanation is going to depend a little bit on whether you're talking to a hoodie or a suit. And and what I mean by that is that the, uh, the technology, right, and the investment are two different things, and most people conflate the two. Um, for example, it could end up being a really successful technology a terrible investment or vice versa. So I'm going to explain it to you both ways. Okay. 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 Um, the way that I explain it to my family is like one of those old standardized test questions, which is internet is to blockchain as email is to Bitcoin. So here's what I mean by that. Um, blockchain is the technology underlying all cryptocurrencies. And um it's just software, right? Just in the same way that the internet is software. And just as the internet protocols like HTTP and FTP and TCP/IP all those things gave us the ability to transfer data, i.e. files and music and videos, images, etc around the globe in the blink of an eye, in a decentralized way, blockchain gives us the ability to transfer value anywhere around the globe, in the blink of an eye, in a decentralized way. Meaning like peer to peer, person to person without relying on a trusted intermediary, such as a bank or a government in the middle. So it's basically the next iteration, the internet of money, if you will. Now, so that's from the hoodie. That's the technology perspective, right? The investment perspective is this. Uh, this is the, you know, what the suit would tell you. It's, you know, that um, internet was this obscure technology back in the day that no one really understood or knew what to do with, but, you know, back in the mid 90s um, until AOL started mailing out millions of CDs by a snail mail, which seems very quaint today, and suddenly email became the killer app that opened the floodgates to widespread mainstream adoption of the internet. Before that, it was just, everyone thought it was a toy, basically. Well, today, blockchain is the new, obscure, potentially disruptive technology. And Bitcoin is the compelling use case that's starting to drive widespread mass adoption today. Now, whether Bitcoin eventually becomes as ubiquitous as email remains to be seen. But the question is, from an investment perspective, is if someone had created an investment back in 1993 that you could buy and sell on an exchange like a stock, you know, that allowed you to bet directly on the future success um, of the Internet more generally and and uh, email specifically, knowing what you know now, would you take that bet? Of course. Would you? Of course, right? 2020 hindsight is a beautiful thing, right? Of course we would. That'd be amazing. Um, Now, we don't have the benefit of 2020 hindsight on Bitcoin and blockchain yet, um, but there is an investment called Bitcoin, right, that you can buy and sell on an exchange like a stock that allows you to bet on the future success of digital currency, um, specifically in blockchain more generally. And so the question for investors now is knowing what we know now, should you take that bet so that's that's the um the two ways to look
0: at it i must say i've read up quite a lot about crypto and that was probably one of the best um ways to explain it So yeah,
1: thank you. (laughs) I have to commend you. (laughs) I almost understand it. (laughs) I'm not not even gonna lie. Like I still kind of struggle with the whole idea of it, but I kind of understand it a little bit better now. Um,
0: so I I have to ask which side on the fence are you on right now? Are you more sort of like the suits or you the hoodie right now in terms of the way that you see it?
2: yeah i'm totally the suit um which is probably not surprising, given my background as a uh you know financial advisor and and uh financial engineer um it's interesting i because i sometimes sh- or not i often shake my head at the people who get so tangled up in the technology aspect of it uh that you know they they can't they can't separate the investment from the from the technology because they're they're they are really two different things.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: So, real quick before we go any further, can you tell us is there a difference between cryptocurrency and crypto asset or like what 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 is that there?
2: Sure. It, um, <laughs> you. Know, Yes and no. Um, so the original terminology was cryptocurrency, and that came from the original creator of Bitcoin when he wrote the original white paper they they referred to things like you know digital cash and that was sort of unfortunate because it created this terminology around it that's really been kind of Baggage, you know, about currency, because people get the idea that, uh, you know, it means we should be able to go out and buy pizza and beer with our Bitcoin. Um, and, but really, they, you know, they were trying to describe something that they had no idea really what it was going to become any more than really, you know, Tim Berners Lee probably knew what the internet would become. 20, 30 years later, you know? And so so the cryptocurrency name is too narrow and specific. And so what's happened is over time, um, a few people have started to push to, rename it, if you will, the into something called crypto assets. And because that more accurately describes it as as an asset class that can then be broken down into different subcategories. So depending on who you're talking to, um, most likely they are you, those two phrases are being used interchangeably unless you're talking to, you know, an, um, someone, uh, you know, at a venture capital fund and and they may they may use cryptocurrencies to refer to a subset of crypto assets, but generally people use them interchangeably.
1: So just so I can be clear, I'm just going to kind of repeat what you just said to make sure I understand it. So okay. basically, cryptocurrency was like the old-ish kind of way of talking about it. And now it has kind of morphed and changed. And now the more appropriate terminology is crypto asset? That's right. Oh, okay. All right. I'm I'm good now. We can We can go on. <laughs>
0: <laughs> awesome. So in terms of currency, like I know you said that, there's been a push to sort of move away from that kind of terminology. But ultimately, like, I think a lot of people do still see it as that, you know, and if you jump onto Google right now and you type in Bitcoin USD, it's going to spit out a value as if it was a currency that's living and breathing along with like the pound as an example. Um, Mm -hmm. Do you think that widespread adoption is going to happen anytime soon?
2: Well, um... (sighs) So, you know, the issue is that there are right now over a thousand different crypto assets. Okay. And maybe 2000. I don't know. We've lost count of how many have been created. And you have to make a distinction between them. The vast majority of them will end up. Going by the wayside in the same way that the vast majority of .dot com companies did in 1998, 99, and 2000. Um, One or two will survive and probably become um, iconic and you know widespread adoption but most of them will not. So when you say, you know, will cryptocurrency be adopted? It just, you know, it depends. Now I'm, I'm a pretty big believer in um, Bitcoin being um, the one that I think, you know, we ha- is the safest bet and the most likely to be widely adopted in the short run. However, not for paying for Starbucks and pizza. The investment thesis on Bitcoin actually is not as digital cash, but rather digital gold that it will replace, you know, all the people who hold gold as a store of value, um, which is, uh, you know, trillions of dollars that some portion of that will flow into Bitcoin instead because Bitcoin's a better gold than gold. And that when it does that, just because of sheer supply and demand, one of the things um, a lot of people don't understand about Bitcoin, for example, is that there can only ever be 20 million, 21 million Bitcoin ever. And so if, you know, a trillion dollars of gold money comes into Bitcoin, Divided by those 21 million coins, the only thing that can happen since government, you know, you can't print more like the government does with our dollars is the price goes up. And so when you're buying Bitcoin as an investment, that's the bet that you are making. And because there's only 20 million and because there's so much gold in the world that could potentially be replaced with Bitcoin, the potential for returns that are just crazy um, is like nothing we've ever seen before. The The flip side of it, however, is that uh, th- that might not happen. You know, I mean, that's the bet. Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. I, you know, if you put a gun to my head, I think it does. Um, but nobody really knows for sure. Um, so that So that's kind of the... You know, that's the investment thesis, really.
0: It's very interesting. And sort of towards the end of last year, there was a huge amount of um, Mm. mainstream media about, you know, the price of Bitcoin reaching almost $20,000 and, you know, will it get to a million by the end of 2020 and a whole bunch of stuff. And sort of more recently, it's gone a lot more quiet. You know, the the value sort of went down quite a bit. Um, Yeah. But how big is the crypto asset market right now?
2: Yeah. Relative to public markets, like the stock markets, for example, it's just a little bitty, 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 tiny guppy. Yeah. Uh, in relatively speaking, it's like 300 billion in market cap right now. And, you know, the U.S. stock market is trillions worldwide. It's many more trillions. Um, so... Yeah, it seems it's this you know very constrained supply, which makes it go you know up and down, and the and the potential for these big you know you hear these hypey numbers like a million dollars, and you think well that's you know that's ridiculous, but it's actually possible, which is the crazy thing. It not not a foregone conclusion, but possible. Um. So so yeah, uh, you know if even a there are. Uh, You know, reasonable arguments that if even a small amount of the gold holdings was to transfer over to to Bitcoin, then, you know, you could see some astronomically big numbers and, you know, that market cap would get a lot bigger.
1: All right. Well, uh, so what other talking about blockchain, going back to it a little bit, what are some other applications that uh, the technology for blockchain can do?
2: Mm -hmm. Um. You know, again, so this is one of the things that is, well, first of all, I think it's a little bit different about how I approach this from other people um, and also maybe different from some other investments. So generally, when you have people talking about cryptocurrency they are either bulls or bears, right? They either will tell you that it's the greatest thing since sliced bread, you should put all of your money in it, it's going to change the world, you know, it's going to cure cancer and hunger and world peace and all of these things, right? Um, And then you have other people who say it's going to go to zero, it's it's ether, it's vaporware, stay away, it's a scam, it's a pyramid sk- scheme. Most people are are pretty extreme on one side or the other. I am I actually, and this is part of my investment philosophy in general, I work really hard to be neither bull nor bear, but to be an owl. You know, I try to say, okay, um, and, I, and I am going to answer your question, not, uh, Katie, I promise. But so <laughs> it's... But, But like, I try to say, all right, let's just imagine that. Because nobody, the truth is nobody knows what's going to happen. Okay. The same is true of, of the technology. Some people think blockchain is going to revolutionize all of these industries, banking, finance, healthcare, logistics, et cetera, right? That it's going to be the next internet, you know? Um, and other people say it's going to be, it's going to be a flop. And the thing is, you and I, we can't know. They don't know. They have no idea any more than someone knows what the stock market's going to do. It's all a guess. So what you have to do is say, well, if nobody knows what the right answer is, um, but there is this once in a lifetime, potentially investment opportunity. Because So here's what you have to know. Last year, uh, last year, the return on Bitcoin was 1,044%. And that's after it came back down from 20,000 to 10. Okay. Like a thousand percent. The US stock market over time makes eight. So if, if my, if my goal in life is to produce enough, um, uh, portfolio, a big enough portfolio that I can do what I want when I want without having to worry about how to pay for it, which is the, my definition of financial freedom. I think probably yours as well, right? And I'm typically trying to accumulate those assets at an at a rate of eight percent. And there's the possibility, albeit you know, even if it's it's fifty fifty a coin flip, that in 10 years, this thing could go to hundreds of thousands of dollars per Bitcoin, which it could, if this all came true, like, you know, <laughs> do you- how do I, how do I structure my, in, an investment in that? How do I take advantage of that in a way that I, I get some of that upside because it's a once in a lifetime opportunity, but I um don't get wrecked, be, you know, because I mortgaged my house and, you know, did all these crazy things in, to invest in Bitcoin. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So back to your original question about, you know, what other applications are there well a lot of people are talking a big game at this point for a lot of different applications right all of those things finance healthcare logistics banking etc and maybe that's true but nobody knows yet because so far nobody's built any working you know businesses other than bitcoin so you know it, um it, it remains to be seen and so that's one of the tricky things about this as an asset class is that it's new. We, you know, we've got very little data to go on. And so it's new with this, uh, you know, just crazy return potential, you know? So it's a very unique opportunity, but also a very unique investment. And, And a lot of people stand to make a lot, a lot of money if it comes true. And a lot of people stand to make a lot, lose a lot, a lot of money if they get greedy and they don't do it properly, does that make sense?
0: That definitely makes sense. So, I have quite a loaded question for you. So, a lot of people would go, as, well, they would go as far to say that it's an exceptionally speculative investment. And how can someone like a, a financial and investments advisor get behind something like that? I know that that probably sounds very loaded, and I know where you're gonna go with this. But I just wanted to give you the opportunity to explain to people exactly what you do to mitigate the risk of losing everyone's houses, so to speak. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. No, I'm really glad you asked the question. And, and in fact, one thing that people should know is that um, I sold my investment firm. In 2000, well, I retired in 2009, um, you know, moved to Aiken, South Carolina in 2011, Planned to just live on my farm and live happily ever after. Right. And in what, you know, early retirement um, until crypto came along. And it's the first time that I even thought about investing in years um, because that's how interesting of an opportunity it is that i unretired for for crypto um and it's not because i think people should invest all of their assets in it and it's it's that the the advice that i saw out there was so terrifying um but at the same time the opportunity so compelling which goes straight to your question right so how could a former a financial advisor, make that recommendation. The way I make it is by telling people, here's what you do. You only put 2% of your investable assets in crypto asset class. No more. And most people hate, who want to invest in cryptocurrency, hate that, right? Because they, if you're greedy, you want to, you know, you think, oh my gosh, it's going to go to a million dollars. I'm going to, you know, mortgage my house or, pour every dollar, every bit of my IRA, whatever, right? That makes absolutely no sense. The way that you manage this risk, and the fact that this is a, a very asymmetric, meaning there's a huge upside potential, right? Um, with, But there's also the potential it could go to zero. So the way you manage that is by saying, I'm going to invest 2%. That's it. And if Look, you know, if I put ten thousand dollars in ten thousand dollars last year at a thousand forty four percent return would have turned into one hundred twenty five thousand dollars last year. No guarantee that will ever happen again. No, you know, n- n- we don't know, or that, or that will happen next year. But that's huge, right? For I mean, think of the difference that that can make in um katie paying off your you know your student loans right like if you got that kind of a windfall then like you're you're pretty well set but it could also go to zero. So by limiting that investment to only 2% so that, and only money that you can afford to lose so that if you did lose it all, it wouldn't impact your future standard of living in any way, shape or form. That's the rule. And that's how you, that's how you manage such a uh, lopsided upside downside skew.
0: I'm one of the biggest advocates of diversification. And I would say that if you don't consider an asset class like this, you definitely could be leaving a lot of money on the table. And I think it's a perfect time for you to maybe tell us a little bit about your business saying crypto, what exactly do you guys offer people?
2: Sure. Well, actually, well, what I do is I teach people how to invest in crypto assets and very specifically, mostly, you know, I'm, I'm really more about Bitcoin than anything else, because I think that mitigates the risk. Um, but what I do is I take people who um, are, you know, generally looking to create a portfolio that they can live off of, you know, in retirement, whether that's early retirement or, or, you know, at 65, it doesn't matter. That's the thing that we all invest for. And to say, okay, how do I make a sane and strategic allocation to cryptocurrency within, just like you said, part within a larger um, diversified Portfolio. Where does it fit? And then specifically, how do I do it? Not only you know uh, the nuts and bolts of opening up an account and and you know you, which wallet do I use and all of that sort of stuff, but then also how do I manage that? Because it's one thing to say I'm going to make a you know an investment. But then, you know, when do you get in? When do you get out? Those, you know, those sorts of questions. So, I, we've created a system around that um, for our clients, and we teach them how to do that.
0: Awesome, chainers. We're just going to take a quick break, and then we'll dive right back into the value link round. Chainers, if you are interested in, in investing in Bitcoin, head over to chainofwealth.com/bitcoin. There, you can use our affiliate link that will give you ten dollars if you sign up and fill more than a hundred dollars into your account. So definitely grab the ten dollars for free. That's chainofwealth.com/bitcoin.
1: All right, Kim. This is our one of our favorite questions, but why do you think people struggle to achieve their dreams? Oh, another <laughs> another loaded question. We're full of them today. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Well, um, you know, I, I've listened to a number of, of your um, podcasts, and, and I'm afraid that the answer I'm going to give is the same one that a lot of your other guests have given. But, I, but I, it, it really, I think, comes down to planning and not making a plan. Um, I do believe just based on my own personal life experiences that, um, you know, you can't, you, you just have to decide what you want your life to look like and that you can make it that. Um, but you aren't going to do it unless you start with the end in mind, which is a cliche and make a plan and and get there. And I don't think most people do that. I think most people spend a lot more time planning their vacation than they do their lives. Um, and, and that's why they don't get where they hope to be. I definitely agree with that.
0: I think you're very right over there. (laughs) So
2: it was a good answer.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. So do you have any other books or podcasts you could recommend?
2: I do. Um, I'll recommend, um, two books. Um, one investing and then one not. In terms of investing, I would recommend a random walk down Wall Street by Burton Malkiel. Um, I think this will give you the foundations for understanding some fundamentals about investing that will serve you very, very well for the rest of your life. Namely that markets are random and that nobody can actually predict and that the entire financial system is built on selling you this, this bill of goods, which is that, you know, your mutual fund manager or or broker can pick which stocks are going to beat the market. And it's just all a sham. And, um, so, it's it's an old it's an older book, um, but definitely one that if you have any interest in accumulating wealth that you should read. Um, the second one is The One Thing by Gary Keller. And I forget his co-author's name. I think it's like Jay Papasan or something like that. Um And I would say that The One Thing has probably been probably the single most influential book for me. If you're not familiar with it, um, Gary Keller was the one of the co-founder of Keller Williams. And the book has um, it's based around kind of this idea of a one clarifying question. And the clarifying question is, what is the one thing, the single thing that if I did that first right now would make everything else easier or unnecessary? So it's all about really, you know, the only, the only finite resource we have is our time. How we spend our time will determine at the end of the day, right? The outcome of our life, that plan that we were talking about. And particularly if we are solopreneurs or, well, it really doesn't matter, you know, but you know, if, if you approach your time with that one question, you it means you'll always be getting maximum leverage out of the time that you spend and that leverage compounded just like compound interest um your your time compounded in that way um can just have absolutely monumental impact on your life and for that reason um i think this is one of the most powerful books that i can recommend
1: Wow, I've heard of uh, the one thing and you definitely have really sold it. I have to read it now.
2: It's amazing.
1: Yeah. Well, and you also have a podcast as well, right?
2: I do. The same crypto podcast. Yeah.
1: Yep. What do you, obviously, you talk about crypto a little bit, but like, what do you talk about specifically um, if any of our listeners do really want to learn about crypto and, you know, just learn more information?
2: Sure. Um, Really, it's an it's an investing podcast wrapped up in cryptocurrency. So, uh, you know, I am a big believer in, you know, this idea that um, almost everybody should have a little bit of cryptocurrency in their portfolio. But beyond that, I also believe that investing is a life skill uh, for anybody who has any hope of, um, you know, retiring financially free and, um, that there are a lot of people out there who are feeding you with a lot of really bad advice because that's what makes them money. And so I try while, you know, educating you about the case for cryptocurrency to also make sure that the podcast is constantly giving you really sound advice on just investing in general and more specifically investing for retirement, um, or which is just another way of saying that point at which you have an, enough money that you can do what you want, when you want, without having to worry about, how, you know, how to pay for it, regardless of how old you are when you achieve that, because I believe that's your goal to achieve that as quickly as you can.
1: That's awesome. And we'll definitely uh, link to your podcast in our show notes page. So Great. Any, of you our, can, any of our listeners can just scroll on down and then click over to your podcast.
2: Well, I'd certainly appreciate that. And I'd love to have people check it out.
1: Yeah, definitely. So Kim, do you have a favorite quote?
2: I do. Um, it is from Zig Ziglar and it's, you can have everything you want in life. If you just help others get what they want.
0: I love that. Kim, we absolutely loved hanging out today. Do you have any other last parting piece of advice for our listeners? And then we'll say goodbye.
2: Um, parting pieces of advice. Um, gosh. I, you know, I, I just to, just to be um. Thoughtful uh, um, in terms of not swallowing, you know. There's there's so much information out there in the world today, and most of it is self-serving for the people who are who are providing it. Um, and, and so, to, you know, to, to just be critical in your thinking and think for yourself, and you know, uh, that, that would probably be it. I, that, that I I think that's a skill that's um that, uh, is kind of lacking here re- recently, and that um you know people can improve their lives a lot just by doing that one thing. I definitely agree.
0: Yeah, so do I. Fake news.
2: <laughs> yes, exactly. exactly. And you guys live in the in the heart of it.
0: <laughs> we know. We know. Chain <laughs> is we've been hanging out with Kim Schneider Hughes. You can check out. Her business, Sane Crypto, head over to SaneCrypto.com and decide if investing in crypto is for you. There's only less than 5% of the total population invested. So it's not too late to get in if that's what you want to do.
1: And definitely check out her podcast.
0: Janus, it's been a fantastic episode with Kim. And right after we finished recording, there was a great session that we had with Kim, just chatting a little bit more, a little bit off the record. But... We thought that there was a lot of value, and we hope
2: you enjoy. Enjoy. All right, so Katie, you said that you almost understood. So, like, what part is uh, is unclear for you about cryptocurrency?
0: This magic instant money.
2: <laughs> oh, if I hear that phrase one one more time, I right.
1: well, first of all, a little backstory. If you didn't know, like, I'm super new to investing like Dennis is still like kind of peer pressuring me to sign up for Robinhood Gold. Gold um, so like I'm uncomfortable just in general I know this probably sounds really ridiculous to you but like investment I feel like is so risky and I talking to my mom now like my mom did invest money and everything but I kind of always just thought she stashed money in the bank and just left it there and so I didn't ever really learn about investing until like a year ago and so between like my apprehensiveness with investing and then my I struggle to really understand like I don't want to say the concept but I I struggle to understand the technology of it Mm -hmm. so Hmm. the whole I just I don't know and then I'm not I don't know enough personally to know to be able to weed out like people who know what they're talking about and people who don't know what they're talking about right you know like I know that I don't know so I don't want to go in and make a wrong decision and I know like if I only invested like a couple hundred bucks that's not the end of the world but
2: yeah mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm with you. And yeah, one, it's interesting because one of the, again, things that I believe, which is a little bit different than other people is that you really don't have to know very much about this stuff to invest in it. Um, and yet I can see where, like you have to understand the investment premise, but not necessarily how it works. In the same way that you don't understand how your car works, right? But you still buy a car. Um, you just know it gets you from point A to point B. Then that's its job. And that, but to, but to your point, one of the things that um, really concerns me is this trend, I guess, or this fact that most millennials don't invest in the stock market. Yeah, is, you guys
0: doing that? It is so scary. Like, is that I, true? I, honestly, yeah. like I, I am basically studying CFA. I'm doing level two at the moment. And I cringe oh, when I chat to people and I hear like stats, like how few people are investing. It just,
2: what's going to happen when they need to retire? You yeah. Know? <laughs> you, there's no way that you can accumulate the kinds of money that you need to be able to retire Yeah, without investing. You, you, you must. <laughs> That's why I say it's a life skill. It's and, crucial. And, not, and you have to do it really early. You know, and, and so like, what are all the, yeah, it's just somehow something's gone awry that you you have a whole generation that won't, doesn't know how to, yeah, isn't investing.
0: Do you know what I think the problem is? I think it stems from the student loan issue that we have. And Mm. I I would go as far to call it a crisis because that's exactly what it is. Well, yeah, because I don't even
1: want to... I don't want to lose my $500 that I could invest because I want to pay off my loan.
0: Yeah, like, so I think millennials as a whole are plagued with student loans that are, like, historically, astronomically higher than what they were, um, like, 30, 40 years ago. um, And obviously even before then. And, you know, so people's extra money is sort of just just going to stay afloat, really. And I think that it's not something that's taught well enough as well, just general investing and money principles, like budgeting. Such a simple concept. And I feel like why are we living in a society where that's not taught at school for like at least five years, you know?
1: Well, and when I was teaching, like I had a bunch of teaching friends and, you know, we would all... We wouldn't talk about our money, but we would talk about our lack of money, how we were so broke. And no, none of them were investing from what I knew of. I definitely wasn't. It took I think I lived with a dentist for six months and watched his stocks at, um, add va- like gain value and everything until I was like, all right, I will put fifty dollars in. And that's how it kind of just started. And now I'm. I'm actually regularly contributing to my stock, so that's pretty exciting. But like, it was—it's such a like uncomfortable and unfamiliar thought process, I guess, for me. Like, I always just kind of thought, and I also like a year ago just left thousands of dollars in my bank account because where else are you going to put it? Uh So, and I think that's the—if you don't have a financial. Like education or any kind of interests, I think that's what a lot of people are doing,
2: but you know here's the thing so, so I'm going to sound old now, but you know one thing I don't get is so if you listen to some of the speeches that I used to give i I give that very speech right about because you you guys probably don't know my backstory, um and we didn't talk about it, but um I made tons of money um, before the age of 30 in an IPO. I just happened to be working for a company, right place, right time. Um, Well, part of it was me. But anyway, I made a ton of money and I didn't know anything about investing either. Right. And so uh, I turned all that money over to uh, a stockbroker for Merrill Lynch, who you know quit my job, had a really good time. Two years later, they'd man- they had lost literally everything that I hadn't managed to spend. They- my phone rang one day, and they said, "Um, sorry, Miss Snyder, your money's all gone." And you know, the speech I give is like, "How is it that I went to the finest schools this country has to offer? I learned all these ridiculous things, like how to speak French and you know business law in high school, and yet nobody taught me about money." Like mm-hmm. that was crazy. So my generation, which is the baby boomers, we didn't learn about money either. And yet the baby boom generation for some reason invests where the millennials aren't. And no, so diff- isn't now, and I, and I, I never really thought about the student loan thing. Although, I mean, I know about it, obviously it's a massive issue, but I didn't think of that as being the reason why you guys might not. But but it seems to me like it's more of a mindset thing, like where you 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 like. I don't know. I, I mean, like you, it's just not even on the radar in a way. Is I that, think, that yeah. accurate?
1: I think people just if they're not in that kind of environment, they don't really think about it. Hmm. I don't. I don't know. And like, you're right. My mom is also a baby boomer, and. Talking to Dennis, I've heard her like throw out words that I've never heard her mention before. (laughs) And I was just like, like, wait a minute. We had a conversation the other day. You thought penguins flew in the air, but you're somehow talking about all this kind of investment strategy and everything. Like, where did this come from? Isn't that interesting? (laughs) It really is. And but like I my entire life, I thought she just had money like sitting in her bank account and that was it. And now, as it turns out, as we started talking about the podcast and she's asking what we think about certain things, I'm just like, oh, wow, you've been investing all this time. And I always kind of thought investing was like a really, really risky thing to do instead of what you should be
2: doing. Yeah, it's risky not to. And I mean, you have to. You have to. Over your lifetime, you're going to have to get roughly 10% return over time, which is made up of ups and downs. Right, Dennis can tell you this. He's yeah. right. I'm sure he has. You know, and um, yeah, and uh, but over your lifetime, right, somewhere around ten percent to get to the sort of number that uh to be able to live forty years in retirement, and that's assuming forty years by the time you guys get to that age. I don't know exactly how old you are, but uh, you, I think you're you said you're 29 or something. You know, the uh, it, you guys may be having to live 60 or 70 years in retirement. You know, like. That's just, it's a crazy big number that Mm -hmm. you have to get to.
1: Yeah, and the fact that there's probably not going to be any social security.
2: Yeah, which is not that much anyway, but.
1: Yeah, well, I think people our age are just kind of putting it off and hoping for the best. And I know people put into like their IRAs. And when I was teaching, I would put, I I had all kinds of savings accounts. Like people would come like. They would come to the school and they would ask if we went to open accounts. And I did. And I would put, you know, 40 or $50 a paycheck in all these different accounts. But I didn't really like I I didn't know what I was doing, but I knew I should be saving money. And yeah. I think that's what people do. They just kind of blindly are like, OK, well, I'm supposed to save money. I'll put it in this 403B or I'll put it in a yeah. Roth IRA or or something like that. It's but, better than
2: nothing. Yeah, not, not as well. Good as knowing you what you're doing, but it's better than nothing. Yeah. It's interesting. I just, I I, I won't keep you guys any longer, but it's, it's almost like, um, since I, I'm primarily focused on, um, the baby boomer audience, it's almost like there's the exact opposite problem. Like, so the baby boomers, they, they all do invest. They have been investing most, at least You know most of them, and um, but they look at cryptocurrency and think, "Ooh, it's that's too risky," which that's just wrong. But anyway, and and whereas generally, if millennials are investing, my understanding is that they invest in cryptocurrency, but they're just putting way too much in. You know, like (laughs) so yeah, so it's really it's just kind of two the two different audiences are approaching the topic in in very different ways.
0: Yeah, yeah and, and you couldn't be more wise. I have a friend who's got like $50,000 in crypto right now Ugh. and he swears by it and I'm just like, dude, <laughs> that's too much. You need to be diversified.
2: Yeah, yeah. Stocks, bonds, commodities, yep. you know, real estate, REITs, that's all it. those things, plus a little tiny bit of, of uh Bitcoin. Crazy.
0: Yeah, it's it's insane. But like, yeah, I, I honestly think that chain of wealth has probably been the best thing that happens to katie from a financial perspective oh
1: absolutely like i was i was a financial train wreck a year ago
0: yeah they always say if you if you want to get good at something immerse yourself in something and or, or start a podcast right
2: that's it that's it if you want to learn something teach it yeah, yeah. totally <laughs>